Let's pray. And, and we got a guy this morning. Um, as and, and I love the heckling I usually get for anything I say up here. But uh, you know, I have just made you know with, with me doing these, this announcement this He didn't need any help with his with his accent. But we're we're in for we're in for a much nicer treat, a much sweeter sound coming your way. I'll tell you that right now. All right, Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much for uh, this morning. We, we do know that you are working in our lives. You are, you are working in ways that we see. You're working in ways we don't see all the time, Lord. And, and we pray that right now that as our speaker comes up, Lord Jesus, as, as we share time together this morning, that you would touch us where we're at, that you would meet us, you would encourage us, and, and that we would have a, a time together that, that would, that would you know, sustain us in you this weekend and this next week. And we, we just ask, Lord Jesus, that you, you'd be with us right now. Praise your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Thank you, team. Honored to be here for a moment and uh, just share 20, 30 minutes with you. But that's not a Lindhurst act. It's, not, it's true. It's true. It's true. Um, um, like I was kind of so introduced, uh, born and raised in Aussie uh, and born and uh, lived there until I was about 19. Uh, wanted to play college tennis. And... Um, that was kind of the draw to America and end up meeting one guy who actually went to Liberty University, didn't even know there were Christian universities in America. And uh, that kind of opened the door. And God began to teach me a lot of things around that journey of faith, getting to America, met my bride there, uh, felt the call to preach there at 19 years old, actually began to do some radio stuff as um, some unique doors kind of opened. But um, I do want to share some some stories first because transform to me is not just a book it's actually a movement around men and so to hear from some men that actually have been part of our transform groups uh we've been doing transform for about four years now in our church and i'll say this it changed the game it changed the game it changed the game in the men it changed the game in our church it changed the game financially it changed the game in the numbers the church went from 370 people over the last uh four years since we started transform to literally 1,300 people. Um, and partially, I would say one of the big reasons for that is what is happening in the lives of men. It is my baby, it's my passion. I wanna help men get unstuck in the big four areas of life. Um, so what I want you to do is I want you to welcome Marco Cabrera. Uh, he's gonna share for like two minutes. He was one of the first guys ever in our first Transform season. So come on, give him a hand as he comes up. Morning, man. Um, yeah, what an honor to be here uh, to see Pastor Anthony uh, bringing this message of, of Transform to everybody here. Because I know personally what it's done in, in my life. Uh, before Transform, I was stuck. I uh, wasn't really getting anywhere fast. I always had an entrepreneur spirit, just always did it for the wrong reasons. And it wasn't until Pastor Anthony and his passion and his vision that God gave him, um, and he introduced it to the church where it gave me the, 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 the passion to want to step forward, the faith to move forward. And, uh, and to do it the right way. You know, I always did it for money. Uh, now I do it for God. And I feel like God's given me the vision in my business and the direction that it's going in the, the, the way that it's grown in a short amount of time. And I, I give it all to, to the vision that he had and implement it into, sorry, I get a little choked up about this, but what he implement in the, the lives of men, not only for business, but like family. I'm a better man, I'm a better father, I'm a better husband, I'm a better businessman. And it's all because of the vision and uh, the strategies that he implements in our lives. So um, 
it's powerful stuff. <laughs> That's all I can say. But uh, thank you, Pastor Anthony, for your vision. And uh, you guys are in for a treat. Thanks. Again, you got three minutes, Jared. All right, all right. No, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. What's up, gentlemen? How are you? Right. My name is Jerry Chappay. I am a father of four with one on the way. Uh, my eldest is 21. I have a two-year-old, and now there's another one coming. Don't ask me how that happened. I don't want to talk about it. Um, we know. So, uh, so I'm going to try to keep it short and simple. Um, so before I came to Transform, I was a business owner prior, and basically my identity in total was in uh, the business that I was running, uh, which was uh, successful by all outward appearances, but inwardly it was tearing my family apart, it was ruining my relationships with my children, and it was barren of the resemblance of Jesus Christ at all. Um, and when I first came to church uh, live, I actually came to the men's event. I wasn't even a member of the church, and my boy Marco had invited me uh, to come check it out. And I'll never forget, Pastor Anthony, it was different. Nobody in the church asked me what I did for a living. And so I was very confused. Like, who am I if I can't tell you what I do for a living? Um, and Pastor Anthony really using the transform format helped us understand that our identity is in in Christ. Um, and as I got closer to understanding that, uh, my relationship with my wife was restored. Um, I abandoned my addiction to alcohol. Uh, my worship of my financial position completely changed. And interestingly enough, I realized now looking back, I'm much more financially secure now than I was then um, and really could care less about it. So it definitely changed my outlook and most importantly, my relationship with my children has been changed as Pastor Anthony has taught us to be bolder, uh, stronger men through his vision. And we've been able to implement that in some of my business through some of my employees as well. So um, yeah, you guys are in for a treat. Uh, listen up to what he's got to say. And if you get the chance to take this back to your businesses and your relationships and your homes, please do. It's well worth it. Thank you. One more guy. Uh, Marine, come over here, man. His life's changed. And uh, give John Flores a hand real quick. Gentlemen, thank you for having us. Like Pastor Anthony said, I'm a retired Marine. And you're going to hear stories about countless men being changed, their families changing and really coming to Christ. But as a Marine, I can get behind this because it's a formula that works. As a leader, you always look for that thing that works, that formula you can keep pushing, that you can continue to expand and grow upon. And I believe that this is it. You're in for a treat. Like Marco said, lean in. You have a formula that would not only change your lives, but the lives around you. Thank cool. you very much. All right, grab your Bible if you have it, um, or your phone, whatever you want to do there. Uh, if you like to take notes, this would be the moment to do it. I want to go to Mark chapter 3 for a moment. Mark chapter 3, uh, verse 1 says this, and he entered the synagogue again, and a man there was there with a withered hand. Someone say withered. Yeah, withered. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. 
And as he stretched it out, his hand was restored as whole as the other. I want you to notice that there's a man in the right place. He's in the synagogue. He's in the place. He's a man of faith. But there's something broken. There's something dysfunctional about his world. And I want you to see that sometimes the hardness of a religious heart doesn't seem to care about the fullness of the man's hand. But I want you to notice the heart of Jesus for this man. The heart of God for men is actually the fullness of their lives, not a partialness of their lives. If you read in the scriptures in Isaiah 61, it speaks of what Christ would bring. And the first thing he actually brings is good news, and that's about forgiveness. But if you go on through the text, this is the first text that Jesus actually reads, quoting Isaiah, in the start of his ministry, he begins to lay out what that does. It actually says there's healing for broken places and there's, there's opening the eyes for the blind. It says an interesting verse in Isaiah 61 verse 5. Is, it then talks about, and they shall become oaks of righteousness. It says a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Here's the truth. You might be obviously very successful in certain areas of your life. My question is, how's every area of your life? And I actually believe that the heart of God cares and the heart of Jesus actually cares about each and every single area of your life. If you go around churches all over America, all over the world, there's actually a sense many times that the women are often strong, the women are often spiritual, but it's almost like there's, there's kind of this disconnect often with the men, like oh, the men don't seem to connect as much and the men don't seem to get it so much. And I would say to you that that must change. It doesn't, it doesn't, it, it's not a nice idea for it to change, but it must change. If God's heart for the shriveled man flows from the heart of Jesus and he cares about his physical wellness, do you think that God cares about your relationships? Do you think that God cares about your finances? Do you think that God actually cares about your physical health. And I have found over over and over years, see I've been a pastor now for over 15 years. And um, every prayer request for 15 years fell in four categories. Everyone, spiritual, physical, relational, financial. Over and over again, I kept hearing the same thing. Physical need, spiritual need, relational need, financial need. Every single prayer request, a mental thing, that to me is a spiritual problem. Every prayer request seemed to fall in four categories. And over time, I was like, maybe it's not a prayer problem because we're praying about these things. Maybe it's actually a wisdom problem. So let me give you a couple of scriptures that became the foundation of what we do and how we actually help men, minister to men. And I think that... Um, I pray that today, some of you just get a passion and go, man, how can I actually bring an environment of growth to my family, to my business, or to the church that I'm a part of? So let me share a couple of scriptures with you. Luke 2.52 is a famous passage of scripture. You might know it. Luke 2.52 says this, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, favor with God, favor with man. The most influential leader, even if you don't even believe in Jesus, the most influential leader to ever live 
on planet Earth for 17 years of his life. All we know about him from the age of 13 to 30 is this verse. We know he's a carpenter and we know Luke 2.52. That's all we know. It's like these quiet years. We know nothing else, but we know Luke 2.52. Jesus is doing wisdom. There's probably no area of your life that you are applying wisdom on a daily basis, obviously, than your financial and career world. Stature, that's speaking of his physical body. Faith with God, his relationship with the Father. He obviously heard God's voice and began to grow in that. And the faith with man, that's your relationships. I know people over the years who've been really spiritual. Man, they seem to love God, know God. And yet, for some reason, no one will listen to them because the other areas of their life are broken. I know other guys, and they're financially great, and they're physically great, but they seem to disconnect from the relationships with other people or just their relationship with God. They just don't seem to connect it. And what I've actually found is that if you value all four of those areas, the man who's all about his finances say, oh, you value that, but you actually want to help me here. Great. The guy who's kind of, he's in the gym and he's like, man, I love working out. And you value that part of his world. You actually connect to him and literally show him, I don't just care about your physical side of your life. I actually care about your relational side and your spiritual side of your life. So let me share another scripture, Proverbs chapter 3 with you. Proverbs chapter 3 is the seeking of wisdom, the book of Wisdom. I've read the book of Proverbs so many times over these last, probably since I'm 18 years old. I've read it over and over and over again. We all know that Proverbs 1 verse 7 says the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we know that wisdom is, is seeing God. But here's what's interesting. Proverbs 3 came alive to me one day as I was looking and thinking through some of the facets of wisdom. The Bible says this in Proverbs 3, 15 and 16. It says, long life is in her right hand. Speaking of if you seek wisdom, the blessings of wisdom, the fruit of wisdom. It says, long life is in her right hand. That's your help. And it says this, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Relationship with money, riches, honor can only come from two places. God or people it doesn't come from trees, doesn't come from rocks. It definitely doesn't come from your cap. Yeah. Some of you got that. All right. Some of you get that later. That's all right. So let me hear, let me, let me say this to you real quick. In the hand of wisdom is your relationship with your health, your money, your relationship with God, your relationship with people. So let me ask you a question. Where are the men's hands shriveled in your environment? There's a lot of guys attending churches around there, and for some reason, they connect, but there's like there's this disconnect. They're like, okay, how does this apply to my everyday life? How does this apply to my everyday world? I'm coming to the right place, but maybe my relationships are shriveled. I'm coming to the right place, but maybe my finances are shriveled. I'm coming to the right place, but I can get the money thing, but I can't get this whole relationship with God thing. It's like something shriveled. Let me, again, let me just share the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is to heal the shriveled hands. Because I've noticed this, the longer a man's hand is shriveled, the more likely his heart is shriveled as well. Let me say that again. The longer a man's hand is shriveled in an area of his life, the more likely his heart gets shriveled. So if we can help them heal the hands, we can help them heal the heart. And sometimes they don't have 
broken hands, they have broken hearts. So if you see that you and I can value those areas of their life. Let me tell you a quick story, my own story a little bit. Um, my dad grew up in church. My dad uh, really came to Christ about 18, 19, 20. Um, was a man's man's athletic guy. Was on sports teams and different things. Um, married my mother, I think, around 24. Never seemed to get over his own dysfunctional relationship with his own dad. Dad was in the house, but dad, his, his own father was just very quiet, never really talked to him, never kind of affirmed him, always felt like black sheep of the family. He made some early business mistakes, financial mistakes when they're early on in their marriage. And over the time, he kind of just seemed to never get over the past, never allowed other men in, never. And I don't even know if the environments of the churches he sat in, I don't even know if there was enough people saying, hey, how you really doing? Not just how you doing, but how you really doing? Age of 10 years old, my dad began to give into alcohol. By the time I was 27, uh, my, my mother, who's an incredible, incredible woman of faith, she probably held on to a marriage as hard as I've seen anyone hold on to it, pray for it, be there for it. Unfortunately, they, be, they split up. When they split up, my dad went on a very downward spiral for the next 10, 15 years. His alcohol kicked his butt time and time again until eventually he literally was an alcoholic and he was on the street and the last eight years of his life, he was a homeless alcoholic, which is, which is a terrible picture for a young man whose dad was there for them, taught him how to play tennis, taught him how to ride a bike, taught him all kinds of stuff, told him you're a champion, come to my athletic events, cheer me on, all that kind of stuff. To see a man at the end of his life, the last eight years of his life, basically a bench was his home. But I think to myself, I'm like, man, how many churches did he attend? But there wasn't a lot of real conversation. There was surface stuff. How are you? Good. Good to see you. No, how are you really doing? But I'd also say this. It's not just how are you really doing. Do we build environments of growth that actually foster men? Yeah. Do we actually build those? So anyway, that's part of my story. So five years ago, four years ago, I was in Sydney, Australia. We had not seen my father in five years. We'd reached out to them on Facebook. We'd reached out to him. Hey, are you still alive? We'd had no contact with my dad for five years. One day I go back to Australia. I'm there to try and see him in Sydney. Didn't have any idea where he was except a couple of men's shelters had said, yeah, we've bumped into him. Anyway, we prayed hard that I'd be able to see my dad. And uh, I walked up to this man and said, hey, have you seen my father around? And he's like, you know, number of months he was around, but, you know, I might know where he lives. Takes me to this bench. One of the most beautiful cities in the world is Sydney, Australia. He sits on a park bench. Had this weird, normal conversation with him. Walk away the very next day. I'm flying back to, to America. I'm in the duty-free section of the airport, and all I can think about is saying goodbye to my dad. And the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart, and he says, redeem his story. And I was kind of like, Lord, I don't like his story. I hate his story. 
I was hoping for a Nebuchadnezzar turnaround story when someone went wild but came on back. I was praying for my father for 20 years, but I felt the Spirit of God speak to my heart and say, redeem his story. And again, I said, it was like, I was just like, Lord, I don't like his story. And, and he said, don't let it be a waste. Don't let it be a waste. Six months later, I was raking leaves. I wasn't doing anything spiritual. I was taking care of them in my backyard. The Spirit of God speaks to my heart as clear as a bell and says, help men win in life. And all of a sudden, it was like something, something just, some just connected. I just went, ah, oh, yeah. How are the men doing in our church? To be honest with you, at the time, this was 2017, I was kind of frustrated with the men's ministry of our church, the connect groups. It was okay. It's a four out of ten, five out of ten, maybe. It was it was all right. We had some good men's stuff sometimes and, and some good groups. But when the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, it said, help men win in life. Luke 2.52. Proverbs 3, 15, and 16 seem to come alive. I'm like, oh, how do I identify? 15 years of prayer requests, physical, spiritual, relational, financial. Those are the four areas of life. Here's the thing. Every leader you've ever followed that you now no longer follow, you stop following him because he fell in one of the four areas of life. Every leader you've ever followed and looked at and honored and valued like that guy's the man. If he ever had a fall, guess where he fell? He fell in the four areas of life. Which says to me this, if you're going to help man, you've got to help them here and get that foundation strong so that they can become all they actually desire to become. So they can actually reach their God-given potential. Because there are a lot of men around us let me tell you, they get shriveled hands. They lack vision. Let me tell you the danger of lacking vision. First Samuel chapter 11 <coughs> says this. First Samuel 11 says this. Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, make a covenant with us and we will serve you. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them on this one condition. I will make a covenant with you that I may put out all your right eyes and bring reproach on all Israel. Then the elders of Jabesh said to him, hold off for seven days that we may send messengers to all the territory of Israel. And then if there's no one to save us, we will come out to you. So the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul and told the news in the hearing of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. Now watch this now. Now there was Saul coming behind the herd from the field. When he heard this news and his anger was greatly aroused. I just want to paint this picture to you real quick. Bible says King Nahash comes against the people of God, Jabesh Gilead. Nahash means serpent. King Nahash is a serpent and he's looking for more dominion. What does he do? He says, I want to make an agreement with you. I want to make a treaty with you. And actually there wasn't enough warriors in that town to literally try fight him. So they say, hey, we're going to make an agreement with you. Here's what's interesting. Saul hears about it. And the Spirit of God, the Bible says, it rushes upon him. 
and does he feel love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? No, he doesn't. He feels actually anger. He's bothered by it. He's roused by it. Notice Jesus in Mark chapter 3. He wasn't just compassionate as in crying for the man with the shriveled hand. He's fired up about it. He's actually mad enough about it. This might sound strange, but sometimes for you to change something in your life or your business or your family or your church, you've actually got to get a fire in your soul to do something about it. The Spirit of God came upon Saul. And what happened? He got fired up. He got, he got passionate. He got angry enough to do something about it. Why? Because Nahash, which means serpent, was after the right eye of the men of the city. What does the right eye represent? His vision, his strength. Why would he take the right eye? To tell them you're a slave, to steal their vision. And there's so many men in churches who have lacked. It's not that they don't have vision of one day, someday. It's actually they lack personal, daily, weekly vision. We all know the scripture, Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no, where there is no what? There is no vision, people perish. But we've done that down. People need personal vision. People need daily vision. The church doesn't just need the vision. Men need vision. The men of the church need vision for their personal lives. The men of the church need vision in their business. The men of the church need vision for their relationships. The men of the church need vision for their health. The men of the church, why? Because if they don't have vision, what ha happens is you eventually lose your vision and eventually you actually become active. Any of you getting this? Yeah. Yeah? yeah? Is it sitting with you? Am I stirring you up too much? <laughs> Keep stirring. Keep stirring. Imagine for a moment four quadrants, <clears throat> spiritual, physical, relational, financial, spiritual, physical, relational, financial. Let me ask you, where are the men stuck? They're stuck normally in one or two of those every time. You rarely meet a man who's nine out of ten in all four quadrants. Why? Because he doesn't have vision or four quadrants. He or he doesn't have discipline or four quadrants. So here's the challenge. It's not for me to show you something, go, man, I can never get there. My biggest question to you guys would be this. How can you bring a growth environment to your own life that affects your family? How can you bring a growth environment to a church that perhaps you're part of, that all of a sudden, 10 of the men, 15 of the men, 20 of the men start to go, you know what, let's get intentional in our careers. Let's get intentional in our, in our, in our health. Let's get intentional in our relationships. Let's get intentional in our spiritual lives. It's intentionality. And, it, and when we don't have intentionality, it's killing us. Yeah. Most wives, what do they complain about, man? You don't do nothing. You don't do enough. Intentionality. My, my, my sister told me recently, I was talking to her in Australia, and uh, she's got a great marriage with her husband, and she was out with four of her girlfriends, and they're all talking about how their, wife, their husbands did nothing for them on Valentine's Day. That was the conversation, and she had to stay quiet because they've got a good marriage. It's not that these dudes are bad dudes. They're just not intentional. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, real quick, I've got um, a sheet of paper here for everyone. Can we can we hand those those out real quick? And I just want a couple of reflection questions in this moment. As you grab that, I just want to walk you through it real quick. I'm not sure if everyone's got one. I hope they do. Anyone missing one? I think I brought about 40, 50. Not sure of how many guys are going to be here. Let me give you a phrase. Let me give you a phrase, gentlemen, that I hope bothers you before we talk about the piece of paper. Keep on doing what you've always done. Keep on having what you've always had. That might be personally, that might be in your relationships, that might be in your church. If you keep on doing what you've always done, you know this, you sharp guys. If you keep on doing what you've always done, you'll keep on having what you've always had. If you do this in business, keep on doing what you've always done. Keep on having what you've always had. So if things are going well, great. But things are going bad, how do you know you need to change? And sometimes when it comes to church, we're, we're so busy going, God, would you do something? And he's looking for you to do something. God, would you move? He moves through people. God, would you rock the man? How about you get rocked first? And when you get rocked, then you can rock them. When you get intentional, guess what? You can start to challenge them. But if you keep on doing what you've always done, you'll keep on having what you've always had. When it comes to your church with the men, you keep on doing what you've always done. You'll keep on having what you've always had. The funny thing is that phrase kept bothering me a number of years before I started Transform. I was, I was working out. I'd get injured at different times. And I kept feeling that this phrase would hit me. If you keep on doing anything, what you've always done, you'll keep on having what you've always had. But I somehow knew it was not to do with my injuries. I knew it was to do with my leadership. If you keep on doing what you've always done, you'll keep on having what you've always had. And our, our men's connect groups were a four out of ten. Now, they're not perfect now, but lives are changing. They're not, they're not perfect. We're still improving them. We're still growing them. But I have women walk up to me and say, I don't know what you talk about in Transform, but he's changing. The best compliment I can ever get is a lady walking up to me and saying, this guy changed. <laughs> this guy's getting intentional. Because guys come in and their marriage is often a 2 out of 10 or 3 out of 10. But with small intentionality, it can move to a 7 out of 10, an 8 out of 10. With some small intentionality, how many know your finances and your business can move from a 3 out of 10 or a 5 out of 10 to an 8 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10? It, and that's the same in your health. And that's the same with your relationship with God. Most of the time we challenge people when it comes to, hey, read your Bible more, read your Bible more. And I just say, great, that's great. What book of the Bible are you going to read this month? Not, we have these grand goals sometimes at the start of the year. Man, I'm going to change everything. I'm going to pray an hour. I'm going to read this. I'm going to read that. Great. How about just choose one book of the Bible? I'm going to get intentional there. If I miss a few days, that's okay. I'm going to keep on going through John until I get something from it. Over and over again. 
and when men get intentional, and when men get clear, and when men have an environment of growth, good things start happening. So let me talk you through the questions real quick. What action step must I take this week spiritually to grow? What action step? Might be get up 10 minutes earlier. Just make sure you go for a walk and pray. Might be, man, I just want to read one chapter of the Bible this week. It might just be, man, I want to sit on Luke 2.52. Jesus going wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man. Might just want to sit on. Sometimes two verses will change your life. You just sit on it, meditate on it. Next question is this. What action step must I take this week to challenge me relationally? Sometimes you just need to be more intentional as a grandparent, as a husband, as a father, as a friend. Who can you disciple? Who can you help? Who you need to get coffee with? All that kind of stuff. What action step must I take this week to grow and challenge me physically? If COVID taught us anything, 75% of the deaths in America was because people were obese. Therefore, maybe your health actually does matter. Right? It's, it's, it's sometimes a wisdom thing. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 22, 29, it says like a city whose walls are broken down, it says there's a man who lacks self-control. It's a great verse to think on. Because self-control in every area, the longer I live, the longer I realize self-control is my friend. Self-control is a friend to the father I want to be, the person I want to be, the f- my finances, my health. Self-control is my friend. It's a fruit of the spirit. Next question. What action step must it take this week to challenge me financially? Maybe it's you're an overworker. Maybe you just work seven days a week and you never take a day off. Maybe you could be slightly more generous. I don't know. Maybe there's a, there's a, a thing that you need to start in your business and maybe you need to start an extra arm of your business and, and just push things forward because you can actually dream for God. And God's been stirring you. But here's my biggest question to you men because I know many of you are leaders. How can I bring a growth environment to the men I influence? Family, friends, business, church. How can I bring a growth environment to the men I influence? Let me leave you with this last scripture. Ezekiel 37 verse 10. It says, and I prophesied as I was commanded and breath entered them. And it says, and they stood on their feet, a great army. God is not looking for one man. He's actually looking for an army. And you can be that man that brings in growth. Ezekiel 37 verse 10. You can be the man that actually brings the growth environment to very, very dry places. Let me pray for you guys. And when, Father, I thank you for this man. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for their wives, their children, their grandchildren, their businesses, their homes, everything they are. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take these moments of simple speaking and I pray that you would cause it to use and, and a ripple effect, Father, that would begin to send a shockwave of change, that hands would be healed in the synagogue. Father, I pray for blind eyes to have sight again. I pray, Lord God, that some of these men would begin to feel and understand a greater fire on the inside, that you would stir something in them, that they would get a passion to just do the very thing you're asking them to do, whether that's personally, whether that's in their marriages and homes and families. But God, maybe it's in their business. Maybe it's in their churches. Father, I lift their lives up to you. They are your sons. 
So I ask you to speak to them and bless them and strengthen them. I ask you, God, to give them vision. I ask you, God, to stir them where they need stirring. Thank you for this group of people that meet on a regular basis, God, and gather around just time of brotherhood and friendship. Thank you for them. Bless every meeting that they have. Lord, begin to put your hand upon it on a, on a, in a more significant way. We pray that we would seek greater eternal fruit. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, the blessing of heaven over each of these men. And I pray that eyes are open, ears are open where they need it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for what we've heard today, Lord. We thank you for uh, how you give us freedom of choice, Lord, how you allow us to be intentional, how you give us these the different areas to work on, God. May we be empowered to work on these, Lord. May we uh, be transformed by what we heard today, Lord, and carry that out, not just uh, today, but in the whole uh, week ahead and over the weekend, Lord, with our families, with our friends, and everything that we do. Amen. Amen. Thank you.